politics. And we will make America great again. Thank you, Georgia. Thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you all. Controversy. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Wow. I can't. You can't? Mm, not in okay. this context. So I'm you not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Spirituality. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end, the first and the last. Welcome to Allocution, uncompromising talk from a libertarian, conservative, Christian perspective that pulls no punches and plays no favorites. With your host, David G. Hello, ladies and gentlemen out there. Welcome to this very first episode of my brand new podcast slash talk show entitled Allocution. And uh, in a moment, I am going to uh, define the word allocution for you and uh, let you know why I chose it as the name for this brand new endeavor of mine. But first, I just want to let you know that I want to make this this endeavor different than anything else out there and very indicative of who I am. But, you know, when I look around at podcasts and talk shows and everybody seems to name these things after, you know, themselves. Johnny Carson, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, Dave Rubin, and all, you know, such like. I don't want to name a talk show or a podcast after me. Um, I I do want uh, it to have a signature that expresses who I am. But personally, I think it's a little bit too um, egotistical to name something a show after me because the show though I want it definitely to express who I am and everything it's not about me so much it's about the issues and you know what's going on out there it's not about uh me so that's why when I started this I said well how can I what's an interesting unusual name uh, that I can name this and I found the name the word uh, allocution and uh, according to dictionary.com allocution is defined as a formal speech especially one of incontrovertible or oratory nature so and it's also defined as a pronouncement delivered by a pope to a secret consist consistory especially on a matter of policy or general importance. So I think that that word very much describes what I want to do with, uh, you know, this endeavor because, you know, it's a speech, it's an oratory speech and the things that I'm going to talk about 
are going to be of great importance, uh, I believe, to me and hopefully to everyone that listens. And, you know, what, you know, what am I going to talk about? Well, basically, I intend to talk about everything. Politics, spirituality, social issues, everything from a libertarian, conservative, and spiritual uh, perspective. Now, uh, I'm going to talk about all those things through that filter, but as a journalist, my number one goal is to try, you know, of course, I'm going to say how I feel about things. I'm going to have guests that agree with my um, opinions about things, but I still want to look at things from a journalistic perspective, and that is being objective, which within some reason means giving, you know, some equal time, if you will, to both sides of issues. And the one thing I listen to so much conservative talk and uh, when I have to, some liberal talk too. And the problem I have is everyone says everything from their perspective, from their, you know, their point of view. I intend to uh, talk about these things through a lens or a, a kind of filter from a uh, libertarian, conservative, Christian uh, perspective. But the number one thing I don't want this show labeled. I don't want the show labeled a conservative show. I don't want it labeled a Christian show. Um, and I don't want to necessarily label myself in either one of those labels. Not that I'm ashamed for having philosophies and beliefs that will fall into those categories. It's just that I want to be open to exploring and telling the truth. And the one problem that I have is that when you listen to people on either side of the political aisle or the spiritual aisle, everything comes through that filter to where they can't see anything from any other perspective but their own and i don't want to be that person now that's not saying that there are strong beliefs that i have that i am not going to compromise on you know regarding them i do believe in jesus christ i believe that jesus christ is god the second person of the trinity trinity he created all that is that there is and that after the your end of your moral mortal life you will face jesus christ as your judge and if you have not accepted his sacrifice for your sins and repented of your sins uh then you will um perish you will unfortunately face judgment you will perish and you will spend eternity and i love the way they say they say separate from God when they don't want to say hell. No, I say you go to hell. You go to hell, you burn forever, and yeah, that's separated from God without accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior because all human beings are guilty of, you know, original sin that must be forgiven, and the only forgiveness is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the shed blood on the cross that he provided for all mankind. And if you don't accept that, then you're doomed. Um, and I believe in a lot of conservative values. I am uh, extremely pro-life. I believe life begins at conception and that abortion is murder and you do not have, it's not your choice to do that. You don't have any more 
uh, choice to kill a child in your womb, then I have a choice to go down the street and shoot my neighbor because you're keeping me up all night. You don't, again, murder is murder. Um, I believe in traditional uh, sexual morals. Now, uh, that, you know, marriage uh, should be really naturally and spiritually between uh, a man and a woman and, you know, for life. All of those are values that I hold dear dear, and that I will not compromise on them. But as a libertarian, I still believe in freedom of choice for people within some kind of um, within some kind of means. And uh, that as a believer, I don't have the right to force you to live under Judeo-Christian values um, within some reason. And you can make your own choices. Just, you know, if you are gay and you decide, hey, I'm gay and I'm proud to be gay and nothing wrong being gay. I still to this day can't find a real good secular reason to say that, no, uh, that shouldn't be legal. But and to me, that's fine as long as you don't try to force anybody else to go along with it. If I'm a pastor at a church and I say, no, we believe that God created marriage for a male and a female. And I say, no, I can't perform your wedding. I don't want you suing the church just like that. And as far as the whole procreation thing goes, if you could prove to me that life did not begin at conception, which you never will, then I'd say, well, yeah, you can do your abortion until that baby actually becomes a living soul. Then it's murder. But before then, it's no different than contraception. And what does contraception do? Contraception prevents a pregnancy. It prevents, you know, an egg being fertilized and then a life uh, coming from that. So that's between you and God. So, but once that being is a life, I don't care that it is inside of your body. It still has its own body and you don't have the right to kill it. And there's no such thing as reproductive. And I believe strongly in, you know, reproductive rights. I believe that you can, even though I believe that we shouldn't be sleeping with anybody outside of marriage, but in America, in a pluralistic country, you can sleep with whoever you want to. You can be the biggest slut known to man if you want to, but... Once a baby's in there, you don't have the right to kill it because you made a mistake. And unfortunately, even for rape too, the baby should not be uh, penalized for how it got conceived. And that's all that that's about. But, you know, those are other topics for other days. But again, as a libertarian, I want to see things from another point of view. And I don't necessarily, if possible, don't want to force my beliefs on you in America. And I can see something outside, you know, my own paradigm and my own philosophy of um, life. So that's why I just don't want to be stuck into this mold where I can never see someone else's point of view. view. I don't want to do that at all, even though I have my points of view and I have, you know, the way that I look at life and by this time in my life, it's not going to change. But I still don't want to be this person. You know, I just don't want to, when you put those labels on people, then there's like, you can't uh, see the other side. And as far as, you know, who I am, um, you know what? I don't think I'm anybody. Well, you know, I think I'm a pretty big deal. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm no one really that, uh, you know, important. You know, I mean, I think I'm an intelligent person. I have a decent amount of life experience. I've gained a lot of wisdom over the years. And, you know, sometimes if people were listening to me, they'd be better off, you know. 
I am, you know, I'm college educated and I have a lot of life experience and I come, I've experienced so many things that I can see things from the inside out like a lot of people can't see. Let's take the gay issue for one. This is something that people just can't see primarily, first of all, because sexuality is just like food. You can't see food through somebody else's and experience that through somebody else's taste buds. So when I sit somebody there and look at people eat macaroni and cheese or uh, watch them eat, you know, spicy chili and tacos and all that, I want to run to the nearest bathroom and yak for the next 20 minutes because I don't like any of that food. It does nothing for me. Uh, I don't like Reese's Cups. I don't like macaroni and cheese. I don't, and I'm a black person too. Imagine that. I don't like, you know, soul food, collard greens and cornbread. And I will sweet cornbread maybe, but collard greens and, and all that kind of thing. I did like fried chicken as a kid, but now I live a healthy life. I wouldn't touch this stuff to save my life. But I'm just like saying, I can't see that. Everybody said, oh, this is delicious. How can you not like that? Because my taste buds don't like it, you know, and I just can't see it, you know, and let's take the gay issue. Everyone looked at the gay issue. If you don't, you know, especially if you're conservative, you're going up not knowing that there's gay people all around you, which there are, you know, you look at this thing as some horrible, ugly thing. You can't, you, you can't really, um, understand why someone would be attracted to someone of their own gender you're like uh just like uh what's his name in that family that really rustic family that had you know the reality shows i forget their names but yeah phil robertson and his whole uh family the duck dynasty family and the older guy you know the conservatives really grabbed at and he said well how could you look at you know a vagina and then a guy's butt as a guy and then pick that how could you do that when you you know you have a a woman made for you but that's kind of ridiculous because he's being ignorant he's not understanding that these are people that are not attracted to women in that way for whatever reason um they don't have those feelings so it's not like somebody sitting there going you know vanilla ice cream versus chocolate they're already oriented toward one and the other may make them nauseous, you know? And people can't understand that because they don't experience that attraction themselves. But for me, I have experienced those attractions since I was a little kid. But I was also raised a Judeo-Christian. And I'm of the age where most of the biggest gains of the gay rights movement have happened during my lifetime, okay? So I know that I was there when they were trying to push saying that everybody's born gay and all that. And you know what? From the time that I, even though I discovered it very young, never really quite believed it. And when I look around at my life, at my own personal uh, family and relationships and all that, still don't believe it. I believe it came, it's emotional and it comes from um, deficits in your upbringing. It comes from... Uh, psychological comorbidities that happen when you have um, regarding your relationships to your parent of the same sex and your place in the family. Because in my life, I look just like my father, somewhat like my mother too, but I have my father's birthmark and all of that. And you know what? We should have been the most closest people in the world, but never were close. 
very dysfunctional family. Uh, both my parents are passed now, but I don't even think about seeing my father in the next life, but I think about seeing my mom all the time. And you know what? And if my mom were to be able to come back here as a ghost or whatever, I, we and her, we'd have amazing things to talk about. My father, I'd just like, well, I'd be like, well, I'm glad you made it into heaven. See you later. You know, we don't have much to talk about. So you're not going to tell me that, you know, that that has nothing to do with the fact that I experienced for most of my life and still do, you know, temptations toward uh, people of the same gender. You're not going to tell me that that's just, no, the thought that this is all genetic and inborn, that's more politics than science. Because today, the gay rot lobby has brainwashed practically everyone into believe that they're born that you're born gay and to this very day there is still no settled science to back that up not a single bit you could be plenty of well we have studies that look promising about this and that but you know what i don't want to hear that nonsense all over the last two years about like follow the science trust the science and all that nonsense you know the trust you know the science that i trust i trust the science that you can show me right in front of my face that is proven solid and in and real every day i i make this and i want to make this analogy every day i see settled science you know what i do i have a cuisinart grill right over there on my um kitchen counter i can see it right now from where i recording this podcast every day I fire that sucker up I spray it with extra virgin olive oil and I cook my fish I cook my chicken I cook my vegetables I grill them all and at the end of the day I take the plates off and I spray it down with water and then I put you know detergent grease um, um, breaking detergent on it to clean it now, if I don't put that if I don't put that detergent on those plates, you know, and I spray that thing down with water, you know what happens? The water beads up because the water and the oil do not mix. That is settled science. That is chemistry. You can show me right in front of my face. And to me, you're not going to call anything science until you can prove it empirically so so anybody can see it and understand it and it's settled among your peers. Until you can do that, it is nothing but a theory. And again, to this very day, after decades, practically 50 more years of five or more decades, the gay rights movement has been trying to convince everybody that people are born gay. To this very day, you can't do me, you can't do any kind of DNA test on a person, either living or dead, and show me their genetics, show me the gene that makes them gay, or show me the string of DNA or genes that makes them gay, doesn't exist, isn't there. And again, you can say that you can sing born this way until, you know, Lady Gaga gives up the ghosts. That's still propaganda. That's still social engineering. That's still a, a political move from the gay political lobby. But it is not science. And for me, like I said, um, that gives me a um, different perspective because, again, I was raised an evangelical, you know, holy roller, Pentecostal uh, Christian, you know, and um, I've seen Jesus Christ do miracles. So I know for a fact that he exists. The Bible is not a myth. Jesus is not a myth. I've seen him raise my mom up practically from uh, from a death bed raise her up at, when I was about six years old and she lived uh, from 1970 uh, to um, 19 uh, to uh, 2015 she lived 
like what's that about 40 more years when every neurosurgeon specialist said to know she her organs are shutting down too much damage she's done but jesus i had another thing to say so i've seen miracles from that I accepted Jesus Christ as my own savior back when I was about 20 years old and he has proven his existence to me. Okay, and he's also proven that he's much more stronger than anybody's gay temptations, you know, and there is kind of a nebulous area with, you know, being same sex attracted and still being a Christian, because it depends on what God wants to do with your life. There are people that I myself have fooled around with that turned to Christ and, you know, now they're married. You know, with children and they ain't thinking about getting back with no guy. There's people like me who still struggle every now and then with temptation. But when you really make up your mind that you don't want to practice this, with God's help, you don't want, you don't. And it's what God has in store for you and what you allow God to do in your life where this is, um, this is dealt with. But like I was saying, uh... The perspective that I have is different is that, yeah, I promote um, conservative values and all that, but I understand what it's like to be same-sex attracted. And see, most conservatives, when they look at homosexuality, they look at it as an issue. They don't look at the people who are still living the issue. So sometimes they shoot off their mouths. They say hurtful things. They say ignorant things because they don't understand what this is like. I'm someone who understands what it's like, so I have the perspective of of being, you know, behind enemy lines, so to speak, and the perspective of being on the other side too. So I want to bring that fresh perspective to this issue. And, you know, I want conservatives to stop thinking about this as an issue, but think about the people who struggle with the issue. And mind sometimes the things you say that are cold-blooded and too nasty and whatever. Now, I, you still want you to say the truth, still to say the truth that homosexuality is not natural. Just because it, it, it occurs in nature with certain animals and whatever, it was not intended by nature. Our bodies are of heterosexual design. Don't ever be, you know, afraid to say that. I don't care if you get kicked off the radio station, if you lose your job or whatever. But at the same time, that's a lot different than calling somebody a fag or a degenerate or being really pejorative and insulting to them with ad hominem attacks, which is what some Christians and some conservatives can have you know the tendency to do and i don't support that type of behavior but i do support telling a, a firm solid foundational truth no matter who that offends and just because the gay lobby doesn't want you to talk like that so that's another you know perspective that's going to come from this show and basically, as I said, my goal is to be objective while standing up firmly for what I believe and stating those beliefs in an unapologetic and plain manner. And just to put it bluntly, with this podcast, I intend to play no favorites and pull no punches. Nothing is sacred here and no one accepts judgment. And just because, again, I'm a Christian, there's plenty of... Um, criticism that I have for the church and for the organized religious system. I don't care if it's Catholic or Protestant. There's plenty of, you know, critiques and things I have to say that aren't so great about so-called conservatives too, as well when they go too far too. And see me, 
I want to be like I think a, a minister should be or an, or an evangelist. I'm really against the 5013C church system because that means that they can't support, um, you know, uh, political uh, candidates and it's like a muzzle where they can't say what they're supposed to say. As an evangelical, you know, pastor or an evangelist, evangelist, you're supposed to be uncompromising, preaching um, the biblical values, what God tells you to preach, and you have no allegiance to anybody. So if you have to step on someone's toes, you step on those toes, and they need to stop wearing sandals if it hurts, you know. And that's how I want to be. I don't want to have some great allegiance to all you know, people on the right to all conservatives or all Christians or whoever. When you step outside the line, you stepped outside the line. If I have to tell the truth about something you did, then I'm going to tell the truth about something you did. You're going to be in the crosshairs if you know, you do something, you say something that I don't think is appropriate. I'm going to have to say it. And I don't want to be, I want to be my own person. Just like that's the reason why I ended up voting for Donald Trump and, uh, and, and liking him because he was not a member of, you know, the aristocratic elites. And that's why they hated him. And he was somebody that couldn't be bought. He had his own money, his own company. He said what he wanted to say. If you liked it, good. If you didn't like it, good. And that is the tradition in which I myself was raised. My parents were really outspoken. They told the truth as they saw it. They didn't pull punches and they had no allegiance to anyone if um, the truth went contrary to them. And that's the kind of integrity and journalistic um, objectivity that I want to bring to this podcast and to every issue about which I speak. And I hope that that's what people out there want to hear. I hope you will find it as a breath of fresh air. And that's the standard that I really want uh, um, to hold myself to account. And that's the kind of, you know, podcast host or talk show host that I want to be. And that's the filter of how I want to do, you know, this show. So that is who I am. This is a brief introduction to allocution and get ready. As uh, Betty Davis said in that classic movie from the 1940s, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Thank you for listening. <laughs>